0: What more can one say? This is game seven. Coming up there, Marisin. Here comes Thomas! Thomas! (laughs) He faked like he was going to throw it. How good is that?
1: Scores! incredible! Four goals! Nice to be back in the barn, eh? You know, Jordan, I think this is um, possibly a podcast first for us. I think we're going to have a show where both of us can say our teams are doing well. Yeah, it's. And, a, it's a uh, weird I don't. Feeling. I don't. I don't think we've had that before. So uh, this is going to be a very positive show. I feel like until we get into our main discussion, then I feel like tempers may flare. But until then, welcome everyone to the Little Hockey Podcast. As always, my name is Keegan. I'm here with my brother Jordan. Say hi, Jordan. Hi, friends. Um, And before we get started and into anything, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Little Hockey Pod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'll read any five-star reviews. And you can find us anywhere that you find podcasts. So wherever you're listening to us now, you can find us there, but most notably, also also apple pod spotify google Podcasts, and amazon music and we're getting a lot of traction on iHeartRadio. radio so check us out there too but before we get into the week's review for the leafs in the sands jordan your betting update how has it been for you this last week
0: holy smokes but i'll tell you what um february was one hell of a month I, was it I a, know bit I, of a roller coaster it, it was a bit of a roller coaster like off the start i was riding that Fucking heat wave, just an absolute <laughs> heater to kick off the month, uh, and then it was kind of a down week, and then I finished strong. Um, I, I think I touched last on last week's episode about uh, kind of an adjustment in my strategy, and or, yeah, and uh, that really paid off dividends um, last week to, towards the end of the month. Um, you know what day was it? February twenty seventh. I went one, two, three, four, five, six for seven on that night. It was only the uh, garbage fire Montreal Canadiens that uh, screwed me out of a pretty good payday there. But um, yeah, was that
1: when you tweeted at the pods Twitter that the kids owe you money?
0: Yeah. um, No, no, that that was that was was that
1: the week before.
0: that, that was the week before when Ottawa beat Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, okay. that was that was a day that I won two out of three bets, but I lost money <laughs> because of <laughs> Canadians. But also, it, it was because I was uh, I was betting irresponsibly too. I, I was putting too much money down on, on um, teams, and after my adjustment, um, my uh, my wins are smaller, but they're more
1: consistent now, which is great yeah it's it'd be nice to win a few bucks every time then lose a few bucks every time and then win 10 back yeah exactly
0: and that's that's like uh i've gone back to using a, a kelly calculator to tell me how much money to bet on each game and uh it's it's doing pretty well so far this this month um i think i'm i'm currently down seven cents from where i started the other day but uh you know, I've got some money down on some games tonight and we'll see how that goes. They've got uh, Toronto, St Louis, and Minnesota for the uh what day is it today Wednesday, the Wednesday night games. so when you're listening Thursday morning, you can either uh, be jealous of all of the cash I just uh pulled in or um you can uh, rub my nose in uh, being out uh seven dollars <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, you know what I think those are some safe bets those are three really really good teams oh yeah but minnesota and toronto especially are riding pretty hot streaks st louis i mean if jordan bennington counts i guess you can say they're a little hot right now <laughs> but i think he's hot for another reason
0: well yeah i took toronto over edmonton uh, st louis over anaheim and minnesota over vegas so we'll see how that one goes uh, oh you're, you're trying to ride the hot
1: hand over the juggernaut there Well,
0: you know what, like Minnesota was leading Vegas the other night, it looked like a a pretty solid choice when I I had the the wild on uh, Monday. And then they blew it in the final few minutes of the game. And so did Florida when they played Carolina the same night. So I was a little bit pissed off. And yeah, but you know what, it's it's a long game, right?
1: Sure. And you never know yeah, what sure. can happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever you just said. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, Jordan, you are right. Yeah. But hockey is a game of luck and you got to be good to be lucky. And right now, Minnesota has been good. So yes. you know what? I, I think you might have done a safe bet or <laughs> a, a likely bet. I'm not going to say a safe bet. Safe bet would be, I don't know, Tampa over Ottawa last year. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, with that all said and done, how were the Leafs doing this year? Would you say that they are a safe bet tonight considering their last week of success? Or are you a little nervous? What do you think of the Leafs last week of handiwork?
0: Uh, well, the last week has, uh, you, you know what? I, I looked at our episode outline for this week over the weekend. And I was trying to like put in some thoughts that I was having before the uh, the Leafs had played the Oilers. And my thought was that this season is kind of weird because the Leafs are performing. They're doing well against the teams in their division. The only teams that they get to play against Uh, apart from the, uh, uh, the game that shall not be named versus Ottawa. uh, Great game. (laughs) There, there haven't been all that many times this season where the Leafs have just looked like dog shit. Right. Um, We're, As a Leafs fan, especially over the last few years, I'm used to seeing games where the Leafs don't deserve to win, but manage to scrape one out. Uh, You know, you could probably say that happened early on in the season, but I don't think it was to the degree that has been the case in the past, like the fairly recent past. Um, And there haven't been games that just get out of the Leafs' hands. Where it's like it, they start off strong or something, and then a bounce goes the wrong way, and then an avalanche of goals come on towards uh, the Leafs. Um, there, there just hasn't been that kind of sense of impending doom, at least not yet. I'm trying to find some wood to touch here, uh, but um, so yeah, it's kind of been a, weird in that sense because the Leafs are playing really well. They're performing. They're dominating the teams that they have to play against every night, and then. All that being said, um, they, you, like I, I don't feel as excited as I probably should about this performance, and I think that's because I know Leafs fans, like the, all the other Leafs fans, know, and like um, fans of other teams can't help but remind us: it doesn't really matter all that much what the Leafs do in the regular season; it's what we do in the playoffs. So it's kind of like, it's, it's great that the Leafs are dominating that Matthews is like putting up these ridiculous goal numbers that, uh, you know, the, the defense is playing pretty well. The backup goalies aren't bleeding points, uh, all of that. Awesome. But, uh, let's just hit fast forward to the playoffs and see what happens there is, is kind of like the sense that I'm getting from myself and Leafs fans, at least the ones that I follow, um. Yeah. Like as an outsider, what, what, what do you think about, but, uh, the, the Leafs performance so far?
1: I think when you get back to back shutouts against McDavid and dry settle, you shouldn't be critiquing your game too much.
0: And that that's a good point. Um, and exactly
1: like And they, that's they, without they, Austin Matthews.
0: Yeah. Those were my thoughts before those last two games, the Monday, the Saturday night and Monday night. Yes. Monday night. Um, it, it, since those games, now I think the rest of the league really needs to put some respect on the Leafs name. Uh, like all, all of the other, like all of the fans of other teams that are like, Oh, like the Leafs are shit. They're just like taking advantage of a bad division. It's like, well, you know what? McDavid and dry are the two highest scoring players in the, in the entire league. And they are ripping the rest of the division apart. And the Leafs, shut them out without their best player and their backup goalie and their third string goalie in back-to-back games. So, you know what? I, I think the Leafs might be for real and the rest of the NHL needs to uh, shake the cobwebs out of their heads um, and at least accept that the Leafs are a good team and not just taking advantage of a shit division.
1: Okay. I'm going to put one thing at you. Do you want respect now, or do you want the cup? I want the, cu- I want the cup,
0: but I also want,
1: I like. No, no, wait, 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 hear me out. So, what you do here? Here, here's the mind game aspect of it. Um, you I take let screenshots
0: the... of everybody who shit talks the Leafs on Twitter, and then when the Leafs win the cup this summer, uh, I throw it back in their dumbass faces. Right? Is that what you're going to say? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I just part of it, but also just j- little bitch j- j-
1: ever. Yes, just let people just soak in all the negativity and all the naysayers just let it fester and then just as when if the Leafs go all the way and win the cup just spew it back tenfold and be like, "Ha, ah, ah, fuck you assholes. Look at what yeah. you think. Just be the most obnoxious person in the world because every fan base does it to the Leafs all year every year because it's the Leafs and if you win it you have all the right in the world to just give it right back with no regard for anyone's feelings. You know what, Keith? So I that, think you should that take that advantage sounds, of that. That
0: sounds like a, a familiar strategy that has been used by somebody pretty recently. And I, I think that this mindset needs to be given a name. Um, I, I think this group of Leafs fans we need to adopt some kind of identity, maybe with like a, a fun meme that we can attach to it. Um, just off yeah, the top but, of my head, maybe we should call ourselves Leaf Sickos. Is that what we should do? Is that what you're fucked. saying?
1: If, yeah, it's got to be at least an alliteration. You know what? You can stick to being the Leafs, the laugh Leafs, or the Leafs laughs, laughs whatever it is. No, can't you, steal our sickos. No, thing.
0: you're absolutely right, Geeks. So here we go. This is the kickoff of the Leaf Sickos uh, trend. We're going to start it up. Not. It's, it's 100% original. And you're right. We just need to bask in the hate and the trolling of all of the other fans and then when we get awesome i just need to spew it out well i'm gonna (laughs) feast gonna feast on all of their hate like i'm slimer from ghostbusters (laughs) and then when the time is right i'm just gonna regurgitate
1: it right back in their faces you know what uh jeff merrick says this all the time on 31 podcast 31 thoughts podcast is hockey could use a villain like sports need the villain like like wwe wrestling right they have their faces and their heels but like hockey is all about like oh good sportsmanship and never disrespect and this and that and that honestly like um I kind of want Ottawa to be the villain. And it seems like a lot of the fan base is like, yes, give it to us. Just be like, uh, like I was saying, be just the obnoxious asshole that everybody, whenever they see send was flow to a world grown, like, Ugh. and I love it. And I want more of it. Especially it also helps with the way that the senators play a very grinding and in your face game. But it's just I I there is nothing wrong with having a villain. There's nothing wrong with being the villain. You just gotta make sure that you play it. Play it up. And sun sickles have been doing that. And they're just like, fuck everyone else. I'm gonna do what I want. I'm gonna say what I want. Be totally just gung ho and asinine about everything for the sake of being asinine about everything. And I am loving every second of it now oh you know yeah, what you, the more i say it no screw you you don't get to use that Just <laughs> make everyone respect you now don't 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 let it build up screw that
0: oh no you can absolutely guarantee that leaps nation if and when we ever win the cup is going to be unbearable on social media and i am going to like it's going to nourish me <laughs> <laughs> the tears of everybody else Crying out like, oh, it doesn't count because you won it in a pandemic year. Oh, it doesn't matter because of what and, like such and such dumbass reason. Like, you know what? I don't give a shit. You guys are just mad because you don't get to shout 1967
1: at us anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I oh, know you got to be like Cartman off a of South Park. Yes, yes, let me drink your salt, <laughs> sweet, salty tears. Yeah. Yes, and
0: you know what? I'll be able to do that because I, I'm halfway vaccinated now. I got my first <laughs> shot today, so come summertime, yeah, all, all, I'm going to be drinking up all of the tears of all of the NHL fans directly from the source, licking them right <laughs> off their faces,
1: and just I'm being like, a ah, of their houses I'm...
0: wearing my Leafs jersey, showing them all of the pictures of Austin Matthews hoisting the cup. When they start crying, I'm just going to uh, lap up those tears. It's going to be great.
1: Matt, uh, Austin Matthews taking home the cup, the jumbo, heart, jumbo. the rocket.
0: Yeah, it, it's going to be John Tavares. The cup passes it directly to Jason Spetza and Joe Thornton, who take it one arm each and lift it above their heads.
1: And then give it to Wayne Simmons. <laughs>
0: give it to Wayne Simmons and
1: yeah. And Good, then the kids.
0: Yeah, going to get to... Yeah, see um, Jonathan, Tavarez, uh, Jonathan Tavares drop his, like, what, year two-year-old kid into the cup and skate it <laughs> around the ice. And then now he's, he's going to pick up Mitch Marner and drop him in the cup, too, and then skate him
1: around the ice. <laughs> <laughs> About the same size. Yeah. Uh, now, does uh, John Tavares do the Joe Sakic to Ray Bork, where he just gets the cup and gives it right to him?
0: Oh, no, absolutely. No, absolutely not. Like, John Tavares <laughs> has, never, has never won the cup before. He would deserve to lift it himself before passing it to Ju- uh, Jumbo and uh, Jason Spezza, who, like I said, are going to lift it together, one hand on it each.
1: That's fair. Yeah, That's fair. But uh, rather than talking about the potential for future Leafs, let's get back to the present day. Uh, I see you've written stuff down about the Leafs' third line. Um, what's what's something that surprised you about them? Uh, what surprised
0: me is how well both nicknames people have come up with uh, for it work. Uh, it's the hyman Engval Mckeiv line, or uh, so the Hem line, or the uh, Engval hyman line, the Meh line. <laughs> so they, I think they both work because the hem line, you know what they hem the other team in their defensive zone. We've seen we saw it a few shifts uh, against the Oilers. Um, I don't know how it works so well because uh, Engval and McKeiv have zero finish in them whatsoever. They cannot score a goal. Uh, some like. Uh, Zach Hyman is the offensive threat on that line and if you told me that like four years ago I'd have been like okay so the Leafs are the worst team in the league okay <laughs> I, I guess that makes sense we have been for a while and why should I expect anything different in the future but um they their forecheck is relentless they uh they force turnovers like almost none of the other lines um especially when Matthews is out because Matthews uh, his uh, defensive stick is really, really good. But, um, yeah, so so that, that third line is really good at uh, trapping the other team in the uh, defensive zone or the Leafs' offensive zone. And then the meh line, because other teams' coaches probably look at that line and go, meh, we don't have to worry about them. They're not doing anything. And, you know what, apart from Hyman, like, they're not scoring a ton of goals, right? Hyman has two, but the other guys, they're not a threat. Makayev can't score on a breakaway. Probably couldn't score on a breakaway with an empty net. He did score from the blue line against Ottawa, though. Is that one of those like dumbass wrist shots he takes?
1: Yes. He takes Forty feet of ice in front of him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was his first goal of the year. I remember it very well. <laughs> yeah. The, but the, don't the forget other, Heimann- the other one he
0: scored was on a an odd man rush, and he didn't celebrate until the the uh, the mesh in the net bulged. Like, he was like, I'm making sure that puck gets all the way in the back of the net before I'm celebrating at all.
1: (laughs) And he's like, ah, yeah. Yeah. But let's not forget Hyman was on a 30-goal pace last year. So don't don't discredit him.
0: No, and uh, I think I said it uh, in an earlier episode, but um, the amount that Hyman has improved offensively over the last few years is mind-boggling to me. Because there were... It wasn't all that long ago when he was playing on the top line with Matthews and every night, and I was screaming, like, what the hell is this guy doing up there? He can't, like, Matthews couldn't bounce it in off of him if he just stood there. Um, but he's he's worked on those finishing skills, and, like, he walked around uh, Connor McDavid on Saturday night and made him look like a dumbass before throwing it up top yeah. That was a a pretty decent little move. It was a good move, yeah. And um, oh, I can't remember what his goal on uh, Monday looked like,
1: but. um,
0: I'm sure it was also very pretty. Yeah, or
1: it was a traditional Hyman, very dirty goal.
0: Yeah, well, just just the fact that he's not like putting it into an empty net after Marner or uh, Matthews or Nylander or one of the other high skilled players feeds it to him on the back door or something. Um, Just the fact that that's not the way he's scoring the goals is pretty impressive too. Like he's driving the offense himself. That, that line, I can't, I'm so happy with that line. And when Matthews comes back by the looks of it tonight on Wednesday, uh, I hope that line stays together because it's um, it's been so good. And it's, it's a line that you can play against the other team's top lines. I don't understand how it works. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Like, I, I kind of do, right? Like, Mikheyev and Engvall are both big guys with long sticks and somehow skate really fast, too. Um, and then Hyman is not afraid to go into the corner and just dig, 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 dig until he gets the puck. Um, it's it's the weirdest thing, but it works, so keep keep doing it. <laughs> please, 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 please.
1: So I'm just reading an article right now. Uh, Matthews and Anderson both return tonight. Yes, they do. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I don't see anything saying who's the starter tonight. Uh, Anderson is. He is starting, eh? Um, My
0: understanding is that Anderson is starting, yeah. Oh, yeah, I I see it
1: right now. Uh, Mark Masters tweeted that Anderson
0: starts. Yeah. So what's kind of interesting about that is that the Leafs have an opportunity tonight to do something that has never been done in history before. Apparently, um, three we, straight shutouts with three different goalies. Exactly, yeah, and that that would be pretty cool. Um, we are relying on our goalie who has had the worst uh, performance so far this season uh, in order to do so. Which is and your highest paid and our highest paid, yeah. But um, you know what? If we can shut out the Oilers with Michael Hutchinson in that, we might be able to do it with Freddie Anderson too. It will be quite the uh, tall task though to do it three times in a row against McDavid and Dreisaitl, especially because I can't imagine McDavid's all that excited about having gone two games with no points against the Leafs. And the Leafs against the Oilers uh, without Matthews in the lineup are 3-0 and and they've outscored Edmonton 11-2. to that's scary. yeah, like that's, that's not that's, fair. That's another reason. Like the Leafs like that's that's one thing that a lot of people have been shouting at the Leafs about. It's like, oh, it's just Matthews. They're a, they're a one guy team or a one line team. and it's like, well, you know what the, the next best team in the division, the Oilers, with the two highest scoring players in the league have been held to two goals in three games without our best player, who's apparently the only reason we're winning games. So how does that math work? Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so it's uh, the Leafs sure are building up. But
1: Matthews isn't the only
0: taken taken seriously as like a legit top four team in the league, whether people like it or
1: not. And it's not just top four because they're top in division. It's top four because they deserve to be there. Yeah, like I, I meant to uh, – I, I was going to pull up the uh, standings
0: because I don't think the – I think the Leafs are uh, the most dominant um, division leader in the league.
1: Give me two seconds. I will double-check that for you. Standings, division. They're like the, Tampa... the, Leafs,
0: the Leafs have five more points than uh, Tampa Bay, who is the next highest um, – Point total for a division leader, but um no, it, all the it's, other it's divisions because all the other divisions none of them have played the same number of games as the Canadian division because they've all had COVID uh, postponements.
1: Well, yeah, Dallas is behind Detroit by one point, but they've played eight less games. Yeah, so like in, in
0: terms of point percentage, Tampa Bay is like kind of close to the Leafs, but they're also close to the next two teams in their division. They're only one point up on Carolina or they're, they're tied in points with Carolina with two games at hand. And they're only one point up on Florida with one game at hand. Um, Whereas like the Leafs are seven points up on the next team and the Leafs have played one more game.
1: Yeah. Tampa and Carolina are tied for the central division lead at 31 points. Tampa's got two games in hand like you said. Then yeah, Washington the Islanders are tied with third place only two points behind them. Vegas and St. Louis are only one point apart and Minnesota's only one point behind St. Louis like You're right. Like I I didn't even notice this before, but the Leafs are just utter like undisputed the best team in their division, which yeah. a lot of people thought that they would be going in. Yeah, but,
0: but to see it is another thing. And you, you could say that, like, did we think that Vegas would run away with their division, which has St. Louis and Colorado in it? No, not really. But did you also think that they'd only be two points up on Minnesota? Um, like, the, the difference between Vegas and the last place team in their division, Anaheim, is 10 points. And the difference between Toronto and the fourth place team in their division, Montreal, is 11
1: points. Yeah, almost 20 points between Toronto and the bottom of their division. Yeah.
0: So it's uh, the rest of the league needs to take the Leafs seriously as a legit Stanley Cup contender.
1: Yeah, they're not running away with the league, with the division because it's the North Division and the teams are weak. They're running away with it because they're just that much better than the rest of the yeah. teams. And and like like I was saying earlier,
0: like it doesn't feel the way that past Leafs seasons have felt when they're performing well because those seasons there's always a point in which the uh, the Leafs just fall off a cliff or start to slow down and decline and I they're getting better with every game that passes the leafs um kind of standing on a on the edge of a cliff um and us seeing if they were going to fall off or you know keep keep surviving was early on in the season they they were like they were hanging on in games and winning them but then since then they've improved so much now they're just rolling through teams and uh, I don't expect them to win the rest like every game that they have left, but I think it's pretty reasonable to expect that they're gonna maintain something pretty close to this pace for the rest of the season and it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for a lot of people to try to find reasons to doubt them going into the playoffs I think
1: I think the only thing that could get into Toronto's way would be obviously. The Leafs aren't playing this year to be first in their division. They should be first, but they're playing to win the cup, right? So the biggest test for them will still come in the playoffs, as everyone's been saying all year. The only team – I shouldn't say only team. The team that I think will give them the biggest uh, problem or or the most trouble is Winnipeg, and that is because of Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, like, like no other, he's the best goalie in a division, maybe even the best goalie in the league right now, and that can steal you a series.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, but they've also got a pretty weak defense in front of them.
1: Um, I,
0: I I think that the the Jets are likely the best team, or the second best team in the uh, North Division. And I think you're right. Um, probably the biggest threat to the Leafs in the playoffs is coming across the, the Jets, which... You know, if the standings kind of hold similar to what they are right now, they'll have to.
1: Not I, if, even if if one, Jets, specifically Connor Hellebuck.
0: Yeah. And, no, you're absolutely right that a hot goalie can uh, win a team a series. And I, I, that's true for any team that they could play against.
1: Sure, but I just feel like against Winnipeg, it would be a little more likely. Not, not necessarily expected, but just... I would I would think that Connor Hallebuck is going to steal a series before I think Mike Smith is going to steal a series, you know? Yes. Um, see, my thing is I
0: still don't really want to play Edmonton in the playoffs. Well,
1: um, yeah, because you get playoff McDavid.
0: Plus uh, McDavid against the Leafs McDavid.
1: Yes. And, I, and.
0: I, as much as, like, I've just been going on about how good the Leafs have been shutting out the Oilers twice, like, I don't really want to have to go up against McDavid in the playoffs <laughs> as the Leafs, you know, up to seven times in a row.
1: Um, McDavid will break Sittler's record just to prove a point. Especially, especially
0: game. with all of the talk about, uh, Oh, Hey, the Leafs shut out the Oilers in back-to-back games this season. And McDavid hasn't like gotten a ton of points against them. Is he going to get shut down? Like, I don't want him getting all of that motivation to uh, just, you know, tear us a new asshole.
1: Yeah. A motivated mm-hmm. Connor McDavid is a very very scary Connor McDavid. Yes, and I'm sure we're going to see like a, a
0: glimpse of that in uh, tonight's game too. But oh, I uh, think you will. Yeah. No, this is probably the most we've talked about the Leafs since the uh, playoff bubble, eh.
1: Well, there's a lot there's a lot of good. Like I was saying at the at the beginning, like this is probably one one of if not our first show where just the Sens and Leafs both are just chugging along going well and with the Leafs, it's harder to be better than what they are expected because everyone expects them to be first in the division. But they're still, yeah. they're still exceeding expectations by dominating the division, not just leading it. You know, and, um, and not to go back to it again, but um,
0: I think part of the reason why we haven't talked about them as much is just because, like I've been saying this whole time, is there's no impending sense of doom yet, yet, yet. Like, I don't want to write it off completely that it's not going to happen, but, um, I'll like even when Freddie,
1: Campbell, and Matthews were out, there was like unease and tension. But when Hutch was playing Hutch well, played, like
0: three, three really good games, he's sitting at a 943 save percentage. Like, he's been really good. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. To be fair, his team has been a lot better in front of him than they have been in the past.
0: Absolutely. Like, and that's a big part of it. Um, something else I kind of wanted to touch on briefly is that clutch hutch. Yeah. Clutch hutch. Um, well, yeah, I guess before I say anything, it's like fucking, I guess that, that should be his nickname is clutch hutch like Holy smokes. Um, he's been so good in the games that he's played. Um, he looked a little bit shaky in his first couple, but the, that game against the Oilers, like I only, I only got to watch the first two periods because it was a late start, but, uh, like he looked really good. He's swallowing the puck. He's not allowing a ton of rebounds. He's not allowing a lot of those um, shots that kind of like trickle through him, or he only gets a small piece of it to knock it into the corner. Um, he's, he's controlling a lot more shots that are coming at him. So that's really encouraging to see. But uh, yeah, w- what I wanted to kind of touch on was just something I thought about this week was that in the past, the Leafs always have like a whipping boy, um it on twitter anyways i think this season it's kind of like jimmy vc might be the whipping boy for no apparent reason um he's not putting the puck in the net but i also don't think he's hurting the team when he's out there he's guy he's yeah he's guy but he's also not like frederick Ochier, where it was like there is an obviously better choice than having this guy out on the ice why do we keep uh dressing him or cody cc last year um or for some people like Jake Gardner was that whipping boy. I always thought that he was like, uh, he was offensively very, very good, but he was prone to like a dumbass thing every so often. That was very big and noticeable. And the things he did well were a little bit less noticeable, but this year's team doesn't really have that guy that I just watch and hate his existence on the team. (laughs) I think early on in the season, uh, Myself and other Leafs fans tried really hard to make that guy uh, Zach Bogosian, but he, at worst he's been fine this season, and at best he's been pretty good. Surprisingly, um, yeah, surprisingly, like it, he, I did not think that that was going to work out as well as it has so far, but uh, it it's been a really good signing. Uh, so. I, Kyle Dubas deserves a lot of credit for the team that he's built so far and the improvements that the, the coaching staff and the quality of players that we've acquired have uh, have made this season. It, it's, it's so much better to watch this team now. And it, again, it's not just because of the division that they're playing in. There are some strong teams in there, and the Leafs are playing well against them.
1: No, I think you said it very well. And one, as of late, one of those strong teams – Surprisingly, is the Sens. Yeah, they're one of the hot. They're one of the hotter teams in the North right now.
0: Yeah, and you know I keep betting against them because it's the numbers tell me to, and then they go and friggin' win. So maybe I'm going to have to start uh, riding the Senators and fading whoever they play against.
1: It so Batherson almost set a Senators franchise record for consecutive goals in a game or consecutive games with a goal. So he tied. I think it was Spezza, Heatley, Alfredson, and some guy from 93 whose name I can't remember for six goals in six games. Now, or six games straight with a goal. He got seven goals in those six games. Uh, Since February 15th, he has scored the most goals in the league. Not the division, the league. Wow. He is fucking unreal. And even in the game against Montreal last night where he didn't score, he still got an assist. Drake Batherson is proving to the league and to Sens fans that he is the bona fide top six player that we all thought he could be and kind of expected him to be. He isn't the fastest or most dynamic skater, but he's efficient. He's surprisingly good in his own end. Like, he, a lot of people are saying he's a mix of Mark Stone and Mike Hoffman which, (laughs) yes, please. (laughs) And if you've looked at his shots and his ability to break up plays or just be in the right spot when he's away from the puck, I kind of see it. He doesn't have the same takeaway ability that Stone has, but he's very good at battling hard and receipt and getting the puck out of his own end, specifically from his blue line to the opposing blue line, be it by himself or with a pass. He is incredibly efficient at it. And it's amazing to see and his I, I said it last episode i hope that his chemistry with timmy keeps going and ho oh, oh, ho oh, ho i think Stutzel assisted on every single assist, or every single goal batherson got in those 6 games like the two of them are forming our own dynamic duo and i've been kind of comparing them to batherson being a more complete Nylander and timmy being a mitch Marner. and honestly I, I am living for it as all of SEN, like all of the sense Nation is right now. It is unreal. Stutzel was named rookie of the month for February. He got 10 points in 14 games as a 19-year-old. Like that is we I don't know the last time we have had a teenager come in and be this effective. Brady Kachuk was great, very good in his first year. He was playing with Mark Stone. Stutzel is playing with a revolving door of centers and fellow young player Drake Batherson and he's still this effective asterisk, this effective offensively defensively he has the worst plus minus in the league but we're not going to talk about that or at least I'm not that
0: that's that's a good question about what player as a teenager came in and did this like i'm trying to think and the only players i could think are maybe Carlson or Eric Carlson yeah or Alfredson? And I, I don't know if Carlson played on the Sens as a teenager.
1: Um, I believe his first full season, he was 20. And then his second full season, he was 21 and won the Norris. So I don't believe Carlson was... If he did play as a teenager before his 20th birthday, because I know he's got a later... Or he's got like a March birthday or something. Um so I don't know if he played a few games before his 20th birthday, but I don't believe he would have been as effective as Stutzel is.
0: Yeah. It he, like he was, he was drafted 2008 and he didn't play in the NHL until 2009, 2010. So yeah. he, he would have been like barely 19.
1: Yeah. Turning or, 20.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 19 turning 20 um, mm-hmm. for a good chunk of that season.
1: Stutzel is on pace for, if he kept his February pace, he'd be on pace for over sixty points in an eighty-game, eighty-two-game season as a nineteen-year-old. Like he is, he's looking like such a special player offensively, and him and Batherson just absolutely feeding off each other and getting into each other's head is ah, oh, it it makes everyone feel validated for waiting, you know. Which I'm sure Leafs can sympathize with from not too long ago, seeing Marner, Nylander, and Matthews on the ice together, you know, feeling like oh, all this pain was worth it, and seeing this is just ah, oh, it's it fills it fills me with such hope and joy. Like I'm enjoying watching Sen's game again because I'm I never think they're out of a game, like the. Well,
0: again, the game that shall not be named uh, probably helps with that that thought. Yeah, because you're like, if they can come back from a 5-1 deficit in the third, uh, then 5-2. Oh, 5-2, yes.
1: Technically, going into the third.
0: Going into the third, yeah. Then no lead is safe against them, right?
1: Yep. And like a lot of people were pointing this out on like Sportsnet and TSN. The way Drake Batherson scored his goals, No two looked alike. He got a couple lucky, weird bounces. Some of them were just straight, quick snapshots. Others, he was dangling goalies out. Like, this guy's just going to be an absolute stud for us and is an absolute stud for us right now. Brady Kachuk is Brady Kachuk. Like, Captain Kachuk, let's just... He's going to get his contract negotiation, and that's going to be part of it. I know some people are like, oh, what about Thomas Shabbat? I love Shabbat. He's our best defenseman. Uh, if they were going to make him captain, they would have done it already. That's my argument towards it.
0: Yeah. I think you've got a good point. And sorry, not not to drag us back a little bit, but uh, I was just looking at Daniel Alfredson. It looks like the senators drafted him when he was 22. So he never played. Yeah. Alfredson was born uh, December 11th, 1972 and was drafted in 1994. He didn't play in the NHL until he was almost 23. Geez, He won Rookie of the Year. He did, yeah. 61 points in 82 games. Um, but that I, wasn't
1: uncommon in the 90s to draft 20-some-year-old uh, well, players out of Europe, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. They, they didn't have the European scouting that they have today, so they uh, they weren't looking at teenagers all the time necessarily. But uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry to drag us off topic. Yeah, because
1: he was like a fourth-round pick or something.
0: Third-round pick.
1: Third-round pick. Was one of oh, no.
0: Prob- sixth round.
1: Sixth round. Well, oh, yeah. That was an excellent sixth-round pick. Um, but yeah, just this entire sense team, like the six, one win over Calgary, that was Calgary looked like a defeated team going into it. So I like, they never looked like they were in the game, whereas Ottawa kind of made that a statement game of, Hey, don't underestimate us. Or we're going to like, we're going to bury you. And they did. It kind of sucks because Calgary woke up for the second game and beat us six, three, but it never looked like Ottawa was out of that game. It just looked like Calgary was like, Oh shit, we gotta actually try here. All right, let's try our best. And then in the third game, from friggin' warm-up when Calgary was had guys running into each other and Monaghan got hit in the face with a puck, like you could tell they were just out of it and it wasn't their night, and Ottawa took advantage and beat them five one. Like we outscored them, what is that? 14 to 8 in three games. And we're supposed to be the worst team in the league. It just, Ottawa is not playing like their record suggests right now. They're playing so, so well. They're playing like a team. These young guys are getting put into a lineup more often. And they're playing to their potential more often. Brady Kachuk leads the league in shots and hits. No player ever has finished a season first in shots and hits. Brady could have done it last year. And he's on pace to do it this year. This guy's 20, what, 21 years old. And he's, he could be setting an NHL record, not even setting a record, doing something that has never been done before. Yeah.
0: And yeah, I'm just looking at the standings. Like
1: the senators are not this. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh yeah. Sorry. I am just looking at the standings. Like the senators like terrible first 11 games are really setting them back here Um, because they're, they're 28th in the league right now, but their last 10, they're six and four, like looking at at the standings here and uh, the next best, the next team that has like an equivalent or better record than Ottawa is the Los Angeles Kings in their last 10, who are six, two and two and they're 19th in the league. So like Ottawa's, doing better than the bottom 12 teams in the league right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Part of that too, is we're getting goaltending. Murray is kind of oh, but falling only, into... Only
0: every other game.
1: I was about to say, Murray's <laughs> falling into the a more often Craig Anderson look, where instead of every other year is bad, it's every other game, which is discouraging. But Joey Decord got in last night against Montreal, and he looked very good.
0: Yes, I I was surprised by that. Um.
1: Like, I I thought, I remember saying this last year when he was uh, called up to Belleville when the Sens were having a bunch of um, injury, goalie injury problems. So they were taking the Belleville goalies and Joey Decor got his shot. He played very well there. And the conversation became like, this guy, whenever he goes to, like when he went to Arizona, he dominated there and got that... um, Uh, got that school into the final four, I think, almost single-handedly. He went to Belleville and was their best goalie. And had they gone on a run, who knows what could have happened if that season wasn't shut down to COVID. So he's just a guy who elevates his play and gets better whenever he plays against better opponents. Also, um, I I think it's Joey Decord. His dad either is or was the goalie coach for the Marlies.
0: Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Is or was. I can't remember. I think it was Decord. I could be wrong there. Oh, so I've know- got to
0: go and fight Joey Decord's dad about the D- David Ayers game then?
1: Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> but guy, he's know- he's got
0: to stop teaching those Zamboni drivers how to play such good goalie. It's like, God damn.
1: I know his dad is a goalie coach for sure. I'm pretty sure it was for the Marlies at one point. But like technically, like as a technical goalie, he is very boring. He's just he's in position. he's in a ready stance and most of the saves he made, the puck was just hitting him because he was in position. He would read the play, get himself into position to where he wouldn't have to do like these windmill glove saves or stack the pads or like every save he made was a highlight reel, not because of the save itself, but because of the play that led to the shot that he ended up stopping, you know, yeah, like oh, this was a great play by the other by the Montreal Canadiens, and the court is right in front of the puck, and it hit him in the chest because he knew what was going to happen, and he got himself into a position to make the stop with ease. And if you can play to the to an, in an uh, if you can play in an NHL game and make stopping those high caliber changes or chances that easily just by your technique alone like you have potential and I really really do think Joey Decord has the potential to be at minimum a tandem goalie in this league maybe even a starter which I was getting mad about because I wanted to see I got mad about this when Murray was when we traded for Murray and then signed him because I wanted to see the tandem of Hogberg and Decord
0: oh Um, yeah but you, you can't go into a season with that
1: and you were right. You said that back then, and you were absolutely right. Um, and as recent history will show, Hogberg was not ready for high NHL minutes again. He needed uh, a little while to get back into his groove. Unfortunately, yeah, he's he hurt he, now.
0: He, he needed he needed a little rope that tied him to uh, stay between the posts. That's oh what he needed. God.
1: <laughs> I know. But now, like Decord, has a chance to steal Hogberg's backup job. And if that first game is any indication, he might do it with relative ease. He, yeah, he
0: looked really steady in there. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I didn't know a ton about Decord. I hadn't really seen him play ever. I didn't look into him a whole lot before he played the other night. I was honestly expecting him to just get absolutely lit up and watching him play. I was like, he's, he's good. He's not just holding his own. He's, he's not genuinely he's, good. He's not just surviving in there. He's like legit good. Yeah. And, and well, maybe it's just because like, um, Philip Gustafson and Marcus Hogberg were kind of the, uh, the, the goalies that were recently being touted as like the future goalies for the Ottawa senators. And Decord kind of seemed to be like losing favor or just not talked about as much. So I didn't think that he was kind of anything special. I, I never, I never considered him to be like, uh, that guy type thing but it sure looks like he is
1: well and that's the thing because you're not the only one to say that whenever i'd read like the athletic or sports net articles or tsn articles they would all have decor lowest ranked among all of our like up-and-coming goalies saying like oh yeah like he he's just a guy he's a filler he's this he's that and all of sen's all the sense Twitter and all the sense fans paying attention would be like, uh, no, this kid is really good. And you're not giving him the credit he deserves. And they would all say like, Oh yeah. Gustafson has higher potential. Uh, um, uh, Sogard, our young guy who we drafted in 2019 in the second round, he's got higher potential. And it's like, you're, you're not giving joy to court credit. He's younger than Hogberg. He's, he's not, a young guy like Gustafson, like he's only one year younger than Matt Murray. I think he's like 24 or 25, but you know, he's very technically sound. He improves every year and he is very motivated to just be an NHL goalie. Also fun tidbit. uh, He's an Ottawa draft pick. Uh, He was Ottawa drafted him in 2015. I believe in like the sixth or seventh round never signed him. And then he went to uh, to the NCAA, played really well, and then Ottawa signed him out of the NCAA. Oh. So he's technically an Ottawa pick. Uh, though, again, we didn't sign him to any ELC until his NCAA career was over. But like seventh round pick, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Seventh, yeah, 199th overall for Joey Decord. Yeah. So the fact that we've gotten two NHL games out of him—that's a sec- successful pick. Yeah. The the fact that he could be more than just that is unbelievable. Like Ottawa, their pro scouting it leaves much to be desired. We don't scout pros very well, and we don't value them very well. You mentioned that a couple of shows ago, talking about Pierre Dorian's track record with trades. Yeah. But our it amateur is, it, scout is not good. It is not good. <laughs> it is not good. No. It's not. It's not awful. It's not the worst, but it's definitely bottom half of the league, but our amateur scouting, which is something that the team prides itself on is genuinely good. Like our development program and our, our scouting program is, is very good and doesn't get the credit it deserves. I I think we're getting it now because we have a lot of, um, high producing pick like, you look at, like, I, Shane Pinto um, getting the credit and, like, all the guys at uh, North Dakota. But, like, I don't know. I feel like we haven't gotten the credit that we've deserved.
0: What are you going to say? Uh, well, I was going to say, I think kind of the criticism that is fair to put on Ottawa in terms of their amateur scouting is Ottawa takes a lot of guys that they think have high-end talent and are either wrong about that or mishandle those players' development and then turn them into middle six or bottom six players. Yeah.
1: Um, that has happened.
0: Yeah. Um, like, it, it it could just be, like, you think about a guy like Curtis Lazar, right? Uh,
1: that they, was also just a very weak draft.
0: Sure. But they also touted him as being, like, a, a future core piece of the Senators and, like... I think there were people talking about like, he could be a, a future captain type. Yeah. Thing, I do remember leadership that leadership group. And they brought him in as, as like a teenager and he was just never ready. And now he's like a fourth liner on the like <laughs> dumpster fire, Buffalo Sabres. Um, yeah. Sometimes you're just wrong about a player. Sometimes you see something that's there and then fuck it up in the development
1: of them. Uh, and case I, in point, I, Philip Schlappick
0: yeah, exactly. And I and um who are some of the other guys? Like I don't know. I feel like there were there were a lot more of those guys in the past where it was like Ottawa sees them as being like these high end players and then they just turn into like bottom six guys, third line grinders type thing. Um Cur- Curtis Lazar is kind of the one that sticks out pretty strongly because it was pretty recently and he was a he was a first round pick too, right? Yes. Yeah. And but,
1: not like I, a middle first round pick.
0: Yeah. So you, you should get a bit more value out of a player than Exactly. Uh, so um, I, and, I I think I think that's a fair bit of criticism to put against the Senators, but at the same time, you know, if you're not picking in the top five, you're it's a lot harder to find those players. And credit to them. They found Eric Carlson at seventeen or wherever they picked him and that's fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. Yeah, and that's you know, probably at the time picking the one of the top three players out of that draft and you got him in the middle of the round, like that's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Um, we also had a pretty decent track record for a little while of making late round picks hit. Case in point, Mike Hoffman, Mark Stone, Ryan Dezingle, they yes. were all drafted um, fourth round or later. Um, and even recently, like Drake Batherson was a fourth round pick and he's looking like a genuine top six talent because he's just a late bloomer. Um, I don't think we have many other late round picks that are looking to be anything special. Obviously a lot of our first and second rounders recently are getting most of the intention. Um, I know there's a uh, Agnes Crookshank that some people are excited for. He's playing in the NCAA, uh, but I haven't been following him closely enough to say too much about him or give a good representation. But one thing before we move on, I do want to mention and I might make this an every episode special. Um, get Good off my fucking hockey team. Holy crap.
0: That was brutal. That uh, high stick immediately after the Montreal Canadiens scored on the power play. And like Ottawa had to kill off or attempt to kill off essentially three straight minor penalties.
1: That one was a little rough because I don't fully blame him for it. it it's, it's, dj should have taken him off
0: yeah it's uh yeah exactly he he shouldn't have been on the ice to begin with because he had already been out there for a minute and a half or something stupid yeah Um, but so i guess you do have to hang that one on dj right because you've got a tired guy out there and then when you know you have a tired guy you know what happens you get penalties called against you
1: Yes. So this isn't so much a get Branson off my team because look at this screw up he did. Because, yes, I would agree that this screw up is more so on DJ. Get him off my team so DJ can't have his toys. Hey, uh, you, you want to know where he learned that from?
0: Mike fucking Babcock. Yeah, from uh, Mike Babcock. I can't do his dumbass accent,
1: <laughs> <laughs> his Saskatchewan accent.
0: Yeah. You know what? Jordan Little cannot do a uh, Mike Babcock impression. Jordan Little sure can talk in the third person like Mike
1: Babcock does. (laughs) But like, you know who should have been out to start uh, that penalty kill?
0: Uh, Literally any other defenseman.
1: Artem Zub, Artem Zub should be getting the deployment and minutes that Good Branson is.
0: Is Shabbat back? Is he? Is he still injured?
1: I believe he is. He's back. No, 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 he's back.
0: Okay, because I was going to say, is uh, is Artem Zub the Senators'
1: best defenseman right now? He, whether Shabbat's in the lineup or not, he's our best defensive defenseman, like, without contest, <laughs> I would say. Um Our best transition and offensive defenseman is Shabbat, followed, I would say, closely by Branstrom. Um, Branstrom got rocked by Romanov. And you, you know what? I, I,
0: I've heard that criticism a lot from uh, sean simpson on tsn 1200 that brand is too small no he takes too much contact and that that's an interesting um that's an interesting critique of a player because that's not really something that you hear a lot of analysts say and it's it's not something that a lot of people would point out right to say that a player gets hit too often and he does a, he Especially if he's that size, right? It's like you you he's gotta work on his skating or his vision or something. Otherwise he's just gonna be out constantly with injuries. Because if you're that small and you're getting hit that often, you're gonna get hurt a lot.
1: Which is I think might be part of the reason why DJ doesn't put him in every game. Is like look, you you're a great transitional player, you're doing well, but you're taking a beating. Yeah. And he is like ev like I can point out once a game where he Get run goes in he tries to like out muscle and outwork guys in the corners and stuff like he he's hungry for the puck and you can tell he's like i'm i'm trying to prove i deserve to be here and he's trying to prove that his size or at least it looks like he's trying to prove that his size isn't a hindrance and like Romanov isn't small that play was a little weird because i think he accidentally got blinded by tyranny because if you look Romanov almost uses Tierney as a screen for the hit.
0: Ooh, sneaky.
1: It, it is, but it was a clean hit. Oh, Absolutely yeah. No, no, I'm not hit. saying
0: it's dirty. I'm just saying that, again, like, there are some kind of interesting things that you can pick up on when you're watching a lot of hockey, right? And that's it's kind of funny that, I don't know, I'm just imagining a guy in a Montreal Canadiens jersey like standing behind a Senators player and then jumping out and being like, ah, and, and mugging. Eric Brandstrom.
1: Well, if you watch the play, like it almost looks like he's purposely keeping tyranny in between his and Brandstrom's eyesight, but he knows where Brandstrom's gonna go. Like it's you could tell Brandstrom's gonna take it wide to the wing and dump it in. So he just meets him at the blue line. Yeah. And, and
0: it's just, it's funny because I remember doing that kind of stuff when I was playing hockey or or like even soccer. I remember uh, you know, somebody's got got the ball and you they're they're looking upfield and I'm behind them and I'm just run up behind them on my tiptoes holding my breath so I'm not making any noise and just run up behind them push them over and take the ball or <laughs> or you know whatever you do in soccer.
1: Yeah, in our house league that had no rules. But <laughs> like I don't I I kind of want to see Branchstrom on the right side. He's said multiple times that that's where uh he favors to play and that's where he favors to rush the puck up. So maybe he just needs to adjust his vision and instincts for playing on the left. Um, but it'd be interesting just as a trial run, throw him on the right and see if it's any different. And you know what? I kind of get that.
0: Um, again, like not not to compare my abilities as a beer league um, defenseman who's been playing the position for two years to an NHL player, but I'm going to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like, well, I, I'm a right-hand shot, and when I'm playing defense, I kind of prefer to play the left side because I, I like to break the puck out with a pass, and I feel like my vision, I, I've got a, a better, I've got more options as a right-hander playing on the left side than I do on the right side. Because I, the- I I I can, I can put the puck up the middle, I can put it across the ice, but I, I've also got a better, a better angle to use the boards to make a pass and out. Whereas yes. on, if I'm on my strong side, the boards are on my backhand and it's harder to make a, a a pass with a good angle off of the boards. Uh, you're, you're just trying to flip it up along uh, uh, past somebody that's pinching up against the boards and it's not as clean. It's, it's not as easy for the recipient to handle. Right. Uh, sure. So I do get that as like, just that kind of mentality of I'm trying to break the puck out and I'd like to have like that extra option of like a nice, easy, clean bank pass off of the boards, as well as being able to see the rest of the ice.
1: It, it'll, when you're a defensive plane on your offside and you're trying to make a breakout pass, that pass is always going to be with your forehand, whether it's a bank off the boards or a, a pass to the other wing or up the center. It's always on your forehand, mm-hmm. which means it's more likely to be a successful pass. Backhand passes don't really work, and that's why everyone advises against using them. Well, if hey, you in, your-
0: in, in my house league B team, like uh, we had that drilled in our heads by our coach in the first few weeks, like do not use your backhand to clear the defensive zone. Do not do it. <laughs>
1: And that happened to Branstrom. He tried to... Uh, it happens the all the
0: time in the NHL. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Coach Andy. Yeah, he's he's going to be all over frigging Branstrom. Uh, he should coach, be an NHL coach. Yeah, Coach Andy. He's going to be pissed about that backhander.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, having having multiple options and being able to execute them all on your forehand is in is, it's different. And it's a higher chance of success. And having to relearn all your instincts and stuff uh, while, when you are switch sides like that, I'm sure is a learning curve for him. Which is, it's tough to see because, freak, I really like Branstrom. And the fact that DJ just refuses to play him on the right side is agonizing. It's just like, I don't give a fuck what his handedness is. If he works on his offside, put him on his fucking offside.
0: You know who he learned that from? mike
1: babcock i know i (laughs) i noticed myself saying things that least fans had been screaming since 2014 or 15 or whenever (laughs) the hell he started and it's like oh man he picked up some bad habits there yeah but this is the guy we got from mark stone play him in a way that he wants to be played and he will probably produce for you
0: yeah that's kind of the thing right it's like you you acquire this young player who is you're excited about because of how talented he is. And then you're like, okay, we're super excited to have you on our team. We think you're going to do really well. Uh, we're going to put you in a position that you don't like at all. Yeah. Sound good? No? Uh, deal with it. <laughs> it's like, oh, come it on. And, yeah, yeah. like uh, how about you put him in the position that has made him successful up to this point and then kind of try to adapt your strategy around that as opposed to, you know, picking up this square peg and being like, uh eh, you know, I'm pretty sure it'll fit through this round hole. <laughs> as as and keep, then you're sitting.
1: Keep, yeah, as long as I keep hammering it down on there, right? And, <laughs> and w- oh, look at Toronto. They're going at TJ Brody, a left-handed shot to pay on the right side, and now their defense never looked better.
0: Yeah, and you know what? He's a left-hand shot that has played on the right side for most of his career.
1: Successfully. So he, it can happen. That. It can happen,
0: yeah. <sighs> it's
1: yeah. And And
0: you know who... Isn't the coach that did that,
1: Mike Babcock? <laughs> yeah, that's infuriating. I really, really hope because with uh, Sanderson and Clevin playing as well as they are in uh, North Dakota, um, and if they're determined to keep Branchum on the left side, it's like where's he going to play?
0: Yeah, that that's a good point because the the Senators. Uh, the top, have a lot on, of... the top six on D is going to get a little bit crowded in the next few years. Like you've already got Shabbat and Brandstrom uh, and you've got Zub assuming that they can re-sign him and bring him
1: back. Got Zaitsev for three more years after this.
0: Yeah, Zaitsev. Yeah, you're yeah, you know, you're tied to that boat anchor. Um and... Although some
1: people are saying Zaitsev might be traded in Seattle to Seattle where it's like leave our yo- young guys alone, take Zaitsev in a pick. He's got. He doesn't have like any. I, I saw.
0: I saw you tweet that out last night. That um, the Senators might have to be a team that trades a guy in a pick in order to keep their younger players safe. And at first, I was like, the Senators shouldn't have to do anything like that because of how young their their players are. And then I went to Cap Friendly and looked at it, and I was like, there are a surprising amount of guys that could be taken from the Senators in this upcoming yeah. expansion draft. We'll have to look into that some more because. I was pretty tired when I was looking through it and not paying super close attention. I had to go through every team in the NHL, at least twice because I kept screwing it up. And then I, uh, I got bored with it and didn't even figure out what player would be picked from each team. So, but uh, I, that's one thing I was surprised by the guys that are eligible to be picked from Ottawa. Um,
1: I, I have an idea of what we should do, but I'll mention it off recording. Okay. Just in case it doesn't happen. <laughs> Um, but these, oh you can't you
0: can't do that now
1: what I'm gonna mention something they don't know what it's about they're not listeners aren't going to know what it is. I'm gonna mention something to you when we finish recording and then off air, I'm gonna to mention to you off air and then continued off air- uh conversation will determine whether or not we actually do it. No one else will hear it, so it does not matter okay, fine, whatever. All right, but you uh, let, let's change the subject here because I'm going to I can rant about Brantstrom for a while here, but you might have a solution to this. So uh, I'll let you. Yeah, us that's into right. Our next conversation here.
0: Yeah, this is uh, kind of piggybacking off of um, uh, uh, it was a pretty brief conversation from the athletic hockey show this week, this Monday with uh, Ian Mendez and Haley Salvi, And they had uh, Dom loose Lucision. Lus- loose chicken from the athletic on the show and uh haley proposed a uh, trade from or a trade between the ottawa senators and the buffalo sabers for jeff skinner yeah for jeff skinner. <laughs> in order for the senators to acquire uh jack eichel because trade talks on jack eichel are heating up because of how bad the sabers are and it just looks like you know, they've got to tear it down and start over again for the 10th time this decade. Um, so Haley's trade suggestion was Ottawa trading Logan Brown, Josh Norris, Eric Brandstrom, and their uh, the Senators' Tenders. 2021 first-round pick in order to uh, acquire Jack Eichel. What are your thoughts on uh, that package and that
1: deal? I think she values Eric Branstrom more than the rest of the league does. Yes. I think she... When
0: I heard... Oh, I'll say it after. You You go ahead.
1: Yeah. I think she also values Josh Norris more than maybe some of the league does. I think this is her uh, Sens, uh Homer instincts ca- kicking in a little bit here because I see that and I go, I mean, Branstrom's going to has the potential to be a solid top four. Josh Norris looks like you could be a solid second line center. That 2021 first round pick will probably be top 10. So you hope to get someone or something there, but that's it for 24 year old Jack Eichel. Really? Yeah. What did, what did 28 year old Eric Carlson get Ottawa? It got them Josh Norris, uh, three picks, two roster players and another prospect. And Jack Eichel, who is just heading into his prime, you can argue—you could argue Jack Eichel now is a better player than Carlson was when Carlson got traded. There's an argument to be made there, right?
0: Carlson and, was a year removed from very legitimately being considered one of the three best players in the world.
1: And coming off an career altering injury.
0: Yes. Which we know in hindsight now.
1: We knew it then. We knew it then. He had 70% of his heel removed. Oh,
0: it's it's such a shame that he he wasn't it's such a shame that he didn't take the time that he needed in order to heal properly.
1: Yeah. Because five, it, you,
0: you you see what McDavid did with that knee injury and how He hasn't lost a step at all. Imagine if Eric Carlson was that way now. But, uh,
1: oh, he might actually be worth the $11.5 million in being paid, man, for the next six or seven years, whatever it is.
0: Like, I I thought for sure Carlson was going to be like the next Lidstrom where he was going to be absolutely dominant every year until he retired. And then that happened. And
1: just Eric Carlson went five straight years with either winning the Norris or coming second. Yeah. Two of those three years where he was a runner up, you could argue that he should have won it. And you know
0: what? The league, not Senators fans, I think the league um, didn't value that enough. They didn't value Eric Carlson at his peak enough. No.
1: Um, you know but, who I but, think they're
0: But uh, again, uh, just going back, um, I don't know. Uh,
1: that doesn't get the deal done. That's not enough for Jack oh, no!
0: If, if I'm the Senators, I make this deal every day of the week and tell all my friends about how Dumb the Sabers are, <laughs> which which
1: judging by their track record, this might get it done.
0: <laughs> it very well could, yeah. Um, but this, I think, would be on par with a uh, like. In hindsight, we'd look at this trade and with kind of similar eyes to what we look at the jo- uh, the Joe Thornton trade from Boston to San Jose with, where it's like, oh, that's oh that a, was that's significantly a- worse than this. Sure, but I think you look at both trades and you say that's a big pile of nothing for. <laughs> like an elite center in the in this league.
1: Yeah, but like this if, isn't this... if
0: if I'm if I'm Buffalo, the conversation starts
1: with Stutzla or Kachuk and sends hang up the phone. You, I, I hang up that no, not because I think they're better players. I hang up that phone because of what they represent to the fan base.
0: So, yeah, I get that because you think that like and there's Pretty strong chance that Brady is the next captain
1: of the Senators, right? And Stutzel can develop into a point-per-game winger, possibly point-per-game center as well. Yeah. Stutzel's our superstar, and he's ours. That's the thing. Stutzel was what we got for Carlson. Yeah.
0: Here's the thing, though. Imagine Stutzel and Eichel on the same line.
1: With Batherson, I know, I know, I fucking want that. I you you don't think that that's worth giving up Brady Kachuk, a winger? Nope. Brady Kachuk's our next captain. There's nope. other.
0: You know who could be your next captain if you give up Brady Kachuk?
1: I don't want Jack, Jack Eichel, Eichel to be my captain. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> with the way, with the attitude and stuff, he's apparently been in Buffalo. Now hey, how, it could just be because it's Buffalo. You can't blame
0: him. Like, I I, I will uh, agree. I, I'd have to meet him personally in order to uh, give any credence to the idea that Jack Eichel's got a shit attitude, because
1: apparently uh, everyone in Buffalo I, I think, does. Yeah,
0: if you have to spend more than a season in Buffalo, I think you're going to have a shit attitude, and the the proof of that is Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan
1: O'Reilly. <laughs> but okay, so here's a trade that I I proposed on Twitter to I forget who it was. Uh, Logan Brown, one of Josh Norris and Shane Pinto, uh, Eric Branstrom, a 2021 first. So very similar to this, a 2021 second, a 2022 second, and one of Ridley, Greg, Lassie Thompson, or Jacob Bernard Docker.
0: Yeah. Like th- that's a lot of stuff and
1: it's Jack yeah, Eichel and, it's a guy who you could argue should have a heart trophy.
0: Yes. And that, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, that's a lot of stuff. And I still don't think that it's like the value of Jack Eichel. No, but you're that, not that being said, it. no, you're not going to get, you're not going to get uh, a full dollar for Jen, like for each of dollar that uh, Jack Eichel's worth.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it, If I had to, if I had to pick from that example, like if, if I had to pick, Who I would want to go and still believe it would be fair. I would replace Norris with Pinto, which sense fans are gonna hate because everyone's really, really excited about Pinto. He's looking real fucking good. But he's never gonna be Jack Eichel. So I'm okay with that. I want Josh Norris to stay because he already has that chemistry with Kachuk, Batherson, Stutzel, all those guys. So I want to keep that together. It kind of helps keep the locker room together, right? Because then Eichel doesn't come in and people say, oh, he's the Norris replacement. People won't be saying that. So Pinto still holds a lot of value. So I throw him in there instead of Norris. Between Greg Thompson and JBD, the one who probably has the most value is Jacob Bernard Docker. And if you're taking away a bit of value with Norris to replace him with Pinto, you got to make that up somehow. So you throw in JBD. Uh, It sucks, but then you sell Buffalo on the chemistry that they already have playing in North Dakota the last two years. Uh, And then you throw in the extra first and second because, or the extra two seconds because it's Jack Eichel and you should not only get one draft pick. That is, I feel a slightly upgraded version of what Ottawa gave up for Eric Carlson. The difference being this trade will be entirely futures Rather than Buffalo getting two roster players like Ottawa did in Tierney and DeMello.
0: so you make up for
1: that by adding in another another contract, which in this case would be a rookie.
0: Yeah, and yeah, kind of what uh, Buffalo would be looking for in this kind of trade is a different podcast entirely, because that's a hundred (laughs) micro conversations you have to have about what should or could happen there.
1: So Uh, my final trade proposal would be Logan Brown, Shane Pinto. Branstrom, JBD, a 2021 first, a 2021 second, and a 2022 second for Jack Eichel, and probably AHLers to balance out the number of contracts.
0: Yeah, the the good old uh, NHL 21 uh, be a GM or franchise mode, whatever it's called now, strategy of oh, I, I'm I'm a little short on value in this trade. Let's dump a bunch of uh, draft picks in there, even it out a bit. Well,
1: this is is what Toronto was criticized for, right? Doing the rebuild, getting all these picks and draft picks, and then never doing anything with them and losing them for essentially nothing, right? Right. But Ottawa has the the rookie capita. Not all these guys are going to be able to play top minutes, and we don't have a legit number one center. It could be Stutzel, but I'd much rather have him play the wing. If he's going to play on the wing, With Jack Eichel as his fucking center So Do I think Ottawa should do this trade I honestly don't know Do I think it's going to happen During the season Absolutely not I think a Jack Eichel trade will be an offseason Maybe even draft thing Will I be upset If they make this trade It all depends on who they give Stutzel Kachuk Shabbat Batherson. And probably Sanderson should be the only untouchables. You can still get a lot of value out of some of those other guys that I did not mention, though. Now,
0: I still think that you're overvaluing your own prospects a bit, I, which everybody does. Jacob
1: Bernard Docker can be a top-four defenseman, and he's right-handed. Josh Norris is right now a, a top six or a middle six center. Brandstrom right now could be a, a a bottom three defenseman on a team. And you're getting a top 10 pick this year, plus a, a high second rounder this year and probably a high second next. And Logan Brown, who with a change of scenery, could be a power play specialist on your third line.
0: Now, the problem there is that none of those players are Jack Eichel. <laughs> right.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and Absolutely. like it's it's almost impossible to do that kind of trade. But that that's kind of the criticism of, against it, right? Is that none of those players are Jack Eichel or are projected to be anywhere near what Jack Eichel is. So yeah, but Buffalo I'm not going to trade
1: it, a, right. I'm not going to trade a guy who could be Jack Eichel for Jack Eichel. It all depends on where, just where you are keep... in your rebuild, though, right? Sure, and Ottawa doesn't need that yet.
0: Well, they're in year one of their year of their five years of unparalleled success, so maybe they do need 24-year-old Jack Eichel and not
1: 18- or 19-year-old Jack Eichel. Okay, do I think Jack Eichel right now would make... If Jack Eichel was on this team, does this team make the playoffs next year? I would say yes. Yeah. Does that mean that we should go and sell the farm for him? I mean, you could sell 70% of the farm, but I wouldn't get rid of it all.
0: No. But you're also talking about trading uh, like a handful of your second-tier prospects instead of trading one or two of your A-tier prospects.
1: I'm also comparing it to a trade for a two-time Norris Trophy winner, a guy who was nominated for the Conn Smythe after getting kicked out in the conference finals. Uh, where they were in that trade, Ottawa got less than what I am projecting they give up for Jack Eichel. Fun fact, uh, since the Carlson trade, Chris Tierney has more points than Eric Carlson.
0: Uh, the the other thing too, though, was that Eric Carlson was on an expiring contract and Jack Eichel is locked up for a long time.
1: A few more years. I forget exactly
0: how many. Uh, I think he signed like a, a full term. Eight year, like eight, eight mil. Uh, was it no, eight it's years eight mil 10, or
1: eight years ten mil? It's like ten, ten and a half, or something. It was. eh? that's what I, I thought it was, but I wasn't too sure. He's got fifteen points in eighteen games for the Sabers this year. Like he's doing his best. He's so good. He, he is, is so he is good. very good,
0: and he is doing his best. You're right. <laughs> yeah, man, that Jack Eichel. You know, good for him. He's doing his best. <laughs> doing his best. Um, all right. So. Uh, think uh we're getting close to the end here to wrap up we're gonna skip the double agent game this week because uh, i forgot that my canva pro trial ended so i didn't get to uh make up any graphics for us this week
1: <laughs> which is yeah. fine because the last two weeks you we've both kind of screwed it up a bit so yes you know why? i
0: i did screw it up and then you cheated like a little cheating bastard last week it uh, wasn't on purpose it still happened uh, so instead what we're going to do it is uh, we haven't talked about any pop culture stuff for a while. And uh, you know what? We need to get our uh, SEO up there. So uh, more people listen to the podcast. So we're going to uh, talk a little bit about the Disney plus series WandaVision. Um, so good. If, yeah. If, if you're not caught up um, just skip to the end where we uh, tell you what our um, social media handles are. Um, and if you do yeah otherwise uh here we go we're going to uh this is your spoiler alert so this is your chance to jump ship now if you don't want to be spoiled on anything or you don't want to hear any chats
1: about uh, the series There's flashing lights and sirens yeah. in the we, background we, spoiler
0: we, warning spoiler alert yeah so this is your chance to leave now Three, and we're gonna two, get...
1: one. here we go one as a mutant oh yeah absolutely Absolutely. absolutely absolutely they're gonna bring she i' will, it'll be interesting to see if they do well so in the comics she's the daughter of magneto yeah um they can't really do that because they already showed her dad you could say like oh like magneto magneto was your dad and these but you were taken away from him because he was so evil and these were just the people raising you they might do something like that
0: you were uh, there was a mix-up at the hospital and uh, your parents took the
1: wrong babies home if <laughs> was very upset when uh, yeah, there was a different set of baby twins. was no longer lifting things with her mind mm-hmm. but it's interesting be- so in uh the most recent and oh well, um,
0: here 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 um how about we just have a little bit of structure in this so it's not just us going all over the place um uh, good call predictions for this this week's episode which i think is supposed to be the season finale Ooh. what do you think uh
1: oh, what's well, the sword what's the sword agent's name the uh, the one that was in um um uh the one that got Wake powers yeah is it wakeview or lakeview what's the name of the town westview westview, westview. thank you
0: well, yeah um, westview new jersey that's uh rambo right i can't remember her first name i want to no, say but Mo- she... monica rambo
1: Something like that. She was the uh, the daughter of um, Captain Marvel's friend in Captain yeah. Marvel.
0: And, and she got um, superpowers in the second most recent episode.
1: Yeah, which, what were they? They just kind of nullify Wanda's powers, right? Uh,
0: I think her, I, I'm not 100% sure. I think.
1: They intentionally left it vague.
0: It, yeah, they did. And I imagine it's going to be explored more on Friday. But uh, w- yes. what are you expecting or, or thinking that we're
1: going to learn this week? Um, Agatha, I still don't know too much about her. We saw kind of her backstory of being like, um, like hundreds hundreds of years old and being a, uh, I, I guess a traditional witch. Her thinking Wanda is magic is interesting. Yeah. Because it, it kind of puts a different element to the MCU, right? Because until this science kind of outweighed magic um
0: it's definitely it's turning into a doctor strange led universe right it's turning because, into a comic book oh well yeah that that was their next logical step right it's like okay yeah. we've done the like sci-fi and um science superhero thing let's get like totally fucking nuts fantasy now, yeah right so, so it, it, it looks like this next phase is going to be Uh, let's get crazy and dr strange led universe
1: which i would not be upset with i really like elizabeth olsen i really like uh cucumber there so this will be good um cucumber what uh benedict cumberbatch oh okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now now you get it now you get it
0: no i don't get it
1: (laughs) oh everyone always purposely says his last name wrong oh okay So there's cucumber. There's a a come hither batch. Um, There's a couple good ones. Okay. But um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you were talking about uh, Agatha. Magic. Yeah. um, Yeah. Magic. So I I want to know what the difference is between her magic and Wanda's power. Is her? Are they going to explain Wanda as? Because there. Sorry, I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. There is basically three possibilities. Wanda is magic. That's why she was able to withstand the, uh, the Mind Stone. Uh, she got her powers from the Mind Stone. Uh, or she's a mutant, and the Mind Stone just activated her mutant gene. And
0: I, I'm kind of leaning towards number three there.
1: Well, because, that's the one because, to me that, because yeah, of the like, comics.
0: Well, also because her brother brother got powers too and you have to assume that it was along the same lines as her that they had some kind of mutant thing in them that maybe was dormant or it it was just some kind of different gene from most people from all of the other failed experiments that were exposed to the Mind Stone and that's why they survived and then they got superpowers from it because the Mind Stone interacted with their uh, mutant gene and enhanced and we're back Sorry, everybody. I, uh, my laptop ran out of uh, storage space. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to delete a bunch of junk, and uh, we're back in here. Uh, shit, what were we even talking about?
1: Uh, we are talking about the idea that the Mind Stone awakened the mutant genes inside Wanda, and what was her brother's name?
0: Uh, Pietro.
1: Pietro. Yeah, yeah. Pietro. So I, yeah, that, that's kind of my,
0: my guess out of the three um, scenarios you outlined. I think that's the most likely one. Um, It's been teased by some of the staff members that there's going to be a uh, pretty significant cameo in the series. Do you think that that has already happened? Or do you think uh, there's something else coming? Well, who would the cameo be? From what's already happened? Yeah. Uh, The friggin' her brother coming back, but it being the
1: guy from the X-Men movies instead of the guy from the Marvel movies. I guess that that also to me leads into the idea of uh her being a mutant because that kind of goes into the mcu multiverse where it's like oh like this is just a predict this is what your brother looks like in another like in another universe and that could be like the days from future past universe
0: i know i think it was more of an easter egg Type Maybe thing. So it was like a little fan fanservicey thing, a little nod to them to be like, "Hey, look, here's this other guy." Um, hey, look at what we did! It was, was kind of confirmed in the last episode that it was just like some dude that uh, Agatha pulled in, and he somehow got powers from being in the hex.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but but the villain is it Agatha or is it uh, that guy from Sword?
1: Yes. <laughs> um the guy from sword is very much like your action action movie villain or action movie uh military villain just i don't know what this is i don't understand it kill it you know well yeah i and his whole the white vision robot is interesting
0: Yes, especially because he had told everybody that uh, Wanda stole Vision's body when it very clearly is not that, not the case now.
1: Well, didn't he have? Oh, uh, I guess he had like altered, altered video of it of just Wanda like smashing into the place and yes, leaving. Yes, he left uh,
0: left out a bunch of uh, key parts of
1: it, like her not
0: taking Vision's body. Yes. Um, so no, I I think it's kind of he's tracking Vision's the fake Vision in the Hex because he thinks that he can uh, harvest that one
1: well it almost seems like that one is the Jarvis like in intelligent side of Vision because he still acts independently of Wanda and well
0: because she created him she yeah. made him
1: she, she made just can only survive inside the Hex right true it's not like these other people where she's just controlling them she just straight yeah. up made them
0: Wh- which is what what's going to be interesting with her the her sons are they actually real or did she make them like she made vision and then they will not be able to exist outside the hex
1: yeah that's concerning yeah like so, this could go very dark yeah it's I don't gonna s- be
0: re- it's gonna be really interesting but um yeah this this cameo um, I, i'll i'll throw i'll throw out some uh some thoughts here let's hear um, reed richards from the fantastic four
1: That one I doubt because they said they're going to wait a while for Fantastic Four and X-Men like to do a proper introduction for them. So I don't think it'll be him. Um, Along the same lines, I guess, then.
0: Magneto or Professor X?
1: Same argument. I would make the same argument there. They said that they're going to wait to introduce any X-Men characters. Now, they could just blatantly lie and just be like, ah, we did that just to keep your expectations down then boom there it is there's patrick sir patrick stewart um, um dr strange that really a cameo He's just kind of part of the universe now yeah
0: but i think it i i don't think it's something as exciting as like reed richards because you're like ah, oh, geez we already know about that guy like that's not really introducing a new thing but Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch are going to be together in the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness movie. So yeah. this could be a lead up to that.
1: Also, I'm just realizing I can't, I was very wrong when I was like, I think I thought kind of just like introduced magic to the MCU. Uh, no, uh, Doctor Strange did, did. Doctor Strange did that, yes. Uh, but but like- I, him as the cameo... I wouldn't say that would be a cameo though. That's just kind of advancing the MCU forward more than anything else. Yeah,
0: so would like Reed Richards being in there too, right? That,
1: yeah, that's but...
0: that's introducing a whole new group of characters. It's not necessarily just like, oh hey, look, it's it the, the cast had kind of teased it as being like a Luke Skywalker moment from Mandalorian, right?
1: Yeah, which may which is what leads me to I the... I, I
0: don't yeah, like I don't think that there is anybody like I can't really think of anybody that would play that kind of role, right?
1: Watch the end credit for the last uh one division episode for the season is going to be like the end oh, it's credits going to be... of Avengers where it's just like here's a shot of Galactus and we're done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or there you go. Yeah, are they going to introduce the uh the villain for phase 4?
1: It could be Silver Surfer. As cuz that uh Silver Surfer isn't like intrinsically or intrinsically um, intertwined with the fantastic four, though he is primarily a villain for them, but his entire role in the comics is an ambassador of Galactus. Mm. So they, would, can, yeah. they can, they could introduce silver surfer hinting at Galactus and also going like, Oh, silver surfers here, maybe fantastic four will show up soon. Yeah.
0: that That's a, that's a pretty good one that hasn't really been talked about a whole lot. Um I, I did kind of talk myself into thinking it'll be uh, Doctor Strange, which is you know a lot less exciting than like Reed Richards or somebody.
1: It's less exciting in the cameo sense. It's still pretty exciting in the story and narrative sense because um, what would be interesting is seeing him come in and just take down the hex. Imagine if he just shows up and it just goes bloop. Wanda sees Vision die again. Agatha's going, "What the fuck is going on? Who's this guy?" And then, boom, season two.
0: Oh, I don't know if there's going to be season two.
1: I don't know either, but even still. And then the entire thing of Doctor Strange and the, uh, what is it? Is it
0: Multiverse of Madness? Multiverse of Madness.
1: That could be him showing up and being like, take down the hex. Wanda starts panicking like, oh my God, Vision's dead again. And he goes, I can get you Vision back. Boom, multiverse of magic, they go get another vision. No, of madness, not magic. I said madness. You said magic. Oh, I meant mad madness. But right. or or they transfer this vision into white vision and just bring him back. And they just use the idea of, well, this is Wanda's true power because she's a mutant and she just transferred all that infinity stone energy that she had in her into this new vision. That's why he's alive. Which is an interesting way.
0: Well, regardless, I'm excited, and you oh, know what? Next so week. Good. Next week.
1: Yeah. What are you thinking?
0: Well, Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming out on.
1: Yeah. Uh, Crave. I
0: I think we'll have to do something about that because.
1: Oh, I'm gonna watch it for sure. But oh yeah, I'm just... absolutely
0: gonna watch it too. we'll we'll, uh, we'll have to chat about uh, that and the. Uh, EU, or whatever the hell it is in some weeks coming up here
1: I still um, haven't seen Wonder Woman 1984
0: no I haven't either because it didn't come out in on streaming in Canada so I and I was I wasn't going to the theaters you know in the midst of a pandemic and then also it they got shut down anyways so couldn't also, see Also, it apparently here. it's bad yeah I've heard that too so I'm not looking forward to seeing it but I guess I will and I've I'm pretty sure that justice league is going to be four hours of nonsense but i guess we'll we'll find out
1: oh so it'll be an extra hour of nonsense gotcha
0: yeah but you know what maybe more enjoyable nonsense because uh that uh theatrical release version of it was
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, i don't want to i don't want to go to bed thinking about that just end the podcast so i can go do something that brings me joy Yes. All right. So here, here we
0: go. Oh, geez. Yeah. We went really over time. The Leafs are uh, about to start their game. So here we go. Uh, We're going to wrap up now. Thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. Please make sure you're following us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at little hockey pod. You can follow me, Jordan on Twitter at jsmall small one, seven, seven, one, and you can follow Keegan at L I L underscore little 28. Um, please make sure you're subscribed to us on whatever app that you're listening on. Uh, and if you're able to, please go and rate and review the show five stars and we'll review or we'll read any five-star reviews on our uh, next episode. And uh, just a little tease for you next week, we will have kind of a pretty significant announcement. Maybe uh, we're thinking for next week. Now uh, we're excited about it. We're going to learn some more about it over the next couple of days, but uh, yeah. Uh, tune in next week and hopefully we'll have some um, exciting news for you
1: oh excitement leaving on a cliffhanger
0: who knows yeah who knows what it is maybe it's uh good news maybe it's bad news maybe it's uh no news yeah who knows we'll see (laughs) um so yeah until next time everybody thanks for listening and we'll catch you later see you later guys